what is going on people welcome to another episode of clutch pod this is episode 32 as i'm your host ab don't forget to follow us on twitter and insta at clutch underscore pod this episode we're going to round up the premier league results after week two of the restart and there's only one place we're going to start off and that is the game on thursday where chelsea hosted manchester city at the bridge obviously the permutations of that fixture where that anything other than a man city win will grant liverpool their first title since 1990 the first time in 30 years as you all obviously would know by now chelsea won 2-1 obviously because all eyes are on liverpool yeah like the like the, there was not much focus on the game so like the game was actually kind of enjoyable still like pulisic put um chelsea 1-0 up pulisic has been He's been starting to settle down into his role still. Obviously, when he first came, he was in. He had to like work his way into the first team, and then obviously he suffered some injuries. But I feel like he's starting to adapt into the Premier League still. Yeah, I feel like he's starting to find his groove in the Premier League. He had a great game that game. Um, KDB did equalize for City with a stunning free kick. Big up him. He's been balling since the restart. Pretty much all season, actually, he's been balling. 10 league goals, 16 league assists, the most assists in the league. There was a lot of back and forth. It was a very fluid game. Um, Man City had a crazy counter-attack that started from an Edison goal kick and then went all the way. It was literally one touch past and Sterling was one-on-one with Kepa, but he could have he squared it to Mahrez, but he went for the shot still. So that wasn't, that wasn't the best decision at the time. Chelsea had a lot of chances as well. Even leading up to their penalty, there was just uh, melee in the box. That was crazy. Tammy should have scored. It was saved. Then uh, I think Willian tried to strike it. Fernandinho ended up handling the ball, giving Chelsea a penalty. He was given a straight red. Then Willian stepped up to put Chelsea in front and to possibly hand the title to Liverpool. There was also a Kyle Walker goal line clearance. Crazy from a um, Pulisic shot where he beat the last line of defence and rounded the keeper. That was great recovery from Kyle Walker still. He's got mad gaffers still. Like his pace is just incredible. That's how the game ended. Obviously, that was a big win for Chelsea as well. People wouldn't really recognise, but the top four race was really heating up. Wolves and United are all on their, on their backs, basically, trying to wait for that first slip-up so they can slip into the top four. So, yeah... um. Liverpool win the first title, that is their 48th major English trophy, their 19th league title. Only Manchester United have more with 20, 20 times, 20 times, Man United. <laughs> Klopp wins the Champions League and the Premier League within his first four years of being Liverpool manager. I mean, he's done an exceptional job. Um, Before at Dortmund, he was kind of labelled a choke artist in finals. I think there was a time he lost like seven finals in a row, something like that. Like he lost Champions League final, German Cup finals. Like he was really on a bad run of form. Obviously, he lost the Champions League final at Liverpool before they won it. Like it was, it was kind of sad still. So it's good for him that he's finally managed to find that winning pedigree. He's always been a winning manager anyway, but it's just to take it to that next step. And I feel like Liverpool are on their way, and that is to becoming a dynasty or to become a unstoppable force in the English game because when you think about it yeah the players are all very very still young like Mane, Salah, Firmino they're literally they're all 28 years old they're literally 
entering their prime, they're in their prime. So I see them being at Liverpool for the next, what, five, six years? Like, literally. Because with Liverpool, you don't ever hear that their players are linked with transfer rumours or their players are holding out for, for contract extensions. They literally just, every week, who we playing? Boom. Go around there. They come Anfield. We ball. We win. Or we get a result and we move. Like, literally, that's been their mentality that Klopp has instilled into them. Like, their team cohesion is amazing. Like, like the club is very well run. Like, even this season, they didn't really add anyone. And obviously, some Liverpool fans were critical of it. But in the end, it worked out. Like, they didn't make any real major signings, did they? Like, obviously, Man City made some signings. They brought in Rodri, Cancelo. Like, all the other teams made signings. Liverpool, they didn't make signings at all. And obviously, it, it helps when last season you attained, what was it, like, 95-odd points. They missed the league by a single point. So, I guess the championship core is really already there anyway. So, yeah, I see Liverpool becoming a dynasty as much as it will pain United fans to hear this. But I don't see anyone knocking off, knocking them off their perch anytime soon, really. Like, I'm talking about next five years because their team is still young. Like, Trent Alexander-Arnold, what's he, like, 22? Andy Robertson, he's at, what, 26? You've got your Joel Gomez, young Van Dijk, 27, 28. Even your midfield. Like, these guys, they're all in their prime. And I don't see them going nowhere. Like, the only player that's been linked with a move away is obviously Adam Lallana, who's probably going to leave at the end of the season because he's been on the fringes anyway. So, and he's been suffering with injuries. So, that's the only player I can see leaving Liverpool. Another thing, like, the, the with Klopp's system, obviously the way he likes to play as well, like, the midfield cohesion is probably one of the most things that I'm impressed about. Because when you look at that midfield trio, yeah, of your Fabinho, Jordan Henderson, Wijnaldum, then if you want, you want to throw in KR, maybe even James Milner, you don't have any real, like, star in the midfield or a playmaker or someone who can take the game by the scruff of their neck, yeah, when, when they're down. Obviously, that's mainly the role of their front three. And when you look at um, Premier League champions in the past, they always have that midfield enforcer who who's there to, like, pick the team up or to, like, like who can create something out of nothing. Like, City, you got your Yaya Toure's back in the day, got your Kevin De Bruyne, United, you had your Skulls, your Giggs, your um, Roy Keane at times. Like, I feel like we're entering a new generation because, like, no disrespect to these guys, yeah, but they're not the t they're not your um typical playmakers or your typical midfield force. Like, they just work well as a unit. Like, even Wijnaldum, when he's in the Dutch squad, he's a beast still. He's a baller. But, obviously, in Liverpool, he t has to take a lesser role in order to accommodate your, your front three in Salah, Firmino, and Mane. So, I feel like it's just a perfect system and... Like, everyone in that Liverpool side, they fit Klopp's system to a T. That's why they're able to be so successful. Like, they're all egoless as well. Well, most of them anyway. So, I feel like this team this team can go far for a very, very long time. Obviously, it was just disappointing they got knocked out in the Champions League this season by Atletico. But they'll be back next season, trust me. Like, I see them. They're probably favourites to win it all next year. I can't even lie. So, yeah, big up Liverpool for that. That is a fantastic achievement obviously it's just a shame that um they'll be they'll have to celebrate without fans it, it seems and yeah for the sit for the liverpool fans who haven't seen their side win the league ever it's just disappointing that they won't be able to pack out anfield and really celebrate but i guess they'll have to find a time to do that another time so yeah man city fell to defeat it was a disappointing defensive display from them they seem to be all over the place i don't know i feel like 
the pressure might be off them now. Liverpool have finally mathematically won the title, even though we've known about it for a long time. But um, it was still disappointing. I didn't really expect a Pep Guardiola-led team to play like that defensively. Even in their midfield, like they were prone to counter-attacking football. So I feel like big up Frank Lampard as well, because the way he set up his team was to counter-attack them. And that's what they've done all game. What I want to say, one more thing about Liverpool is the fact that they wrapped up their league so early, you know, because of this COVID pandemic, like no one can say their their title has an asterisk. Like you can't even try it, bro, because we all knew they were champions from, from time. Like from the from the word go in August, yeah, they were just, they just eliminated anyone trying to style on them like that. We're going to move on to the other Premier League fixtures. So um, earlier this week on Tuesday, there was a London derby at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Spurs beat West Ham 2-0, adding more pressure on the Hammers and David Moyes. Davinson Sanchez getting a goal and Harry Kane finally, finally scoring. It's been a long time, obviously he was out with injury, but he finally got on the score sheet in the latter stages of the game. And you can see what it meant to him. It meant a lot to him from his celebration. And it's all credit to his fitness really because it was, he, was, he was played in and he had to do like a 30-yard run, one-on-one. And then he managed to keep his composure and slow it home. So that just goes to show he he's fully fits. Big up him getting on the score sheet. And it's another thing that Mourinho predicted. He was criticised about his style of play and that it won't suit Harry Kane. He goes and scores a goal. Typical. <laughs> so that just gave Mourinho his ammunition to say what he wanted to say. Another thing is Ndombele and his problem with Mourinho. Um, apparently... There's no contact between the two, which is a shame still because they only brought him in in like January and he's already had a falling out with Mourinho. So, and you're never going to win that war when you fall out with Mourinho still. So, <laughs> it's, it's looking very long for him. He might have to find a move already. Um, but yeah, West Ham, they're in trouble. Their star striker, Sebastian Aller, he's out injured. I think he's out for the rest of the season. And it's a shame because they spent a lot of money to get him 40 mil from Eintracht Frankfurt. So they're going to have to look somewhere else for the goals. They're still 17th in the table. But the only thing that's keeping them out of the relegation zone is their goal difference, which is <laughs> two goals better than Bournemouth, who are in 18th. So there's a contact for them. Another game on Tuesday was a 0-0 draw at the King Power between Leicester and Brighton. Um, it could have been decided if Neil Morpé had converted that penalty, but it was brilliantly saved from Kasper Smeichel. Um, nevertheless, though, Bournemouth do collect four points in their opening two games from the restart, which is decent for Graham Potter's boys. Obviously, they beat Arsenal and drew to Leicester. And if you were to ask Brighton fans before the restart that that's how they'll start the restart, boy, they will, <laughs> they will snatch it off your hands, fam. So, yeah, big up Brighton. Um, they're not really in any relegation trouble. They're just, like, smooth sailing, I guess. Oh, no, they're in a bit of trouble, actually. Still, they needed them four points. What am I talking about? That's a good four points for them. Uh, moving on to the games that were on Wednesday. Wolves beat Bournemouth 1-0. Raul Jimenez scoring a bullet header from Adama Traore cross. Listen, Adama Traore, yeah. This guy, I don't know what he's been eating in lockdown, but it's been giving him powers, bruv. Trust me, because he dominated that game. He really influenced it heavily. Like, um, the runs he was getting on, like, the crosses he was putting into the box. Like, he really put a man of a match display. Um, it was a great ball into the box for Jimenez, who is a real aerial presence, like a real 
got a physical stature that a lot of people underrate because of his technical ability. But he really he's a really knows how to head the ball, bro. <laughs> Trust me, so that it was a great goal, man. When I saw it, like I was in awe still because the ball into the box was just you know when you whip it back post, and then obviously it was the two Bournemouth defenders. I think it was Nathan Ake one with one of them. They just couldn't get to it because the leap from Jimenez it just gave him that that advantage that he needed. To just head the ball in the back of the net so it was a great goal Jimenez scores his 15th Premier League goal of the season a little landmark big up him he's a real baller man like he's he's just great for Wolves you know when you mention Wolves yeah like the first thing I think of is Jimenez like they it's just a perfect match for him man another thing Adama and Jimenez they've combined for 10 Premier League goals this season Jimenez has scored seven and Traore's got three so they're really becoming a little a little dynamic duo <laughs> down on the black county so big up them man um, they could have made it 2-0 Pedro Neto missed a glaring opportunity in the final moments but nevertheless it's back-to-back -back wins for the Wolf Pack um, since the restart and it's back-to-back -back L's for Eddie Howe's men who are in deep trouble um, yeah they really need a turn of form if they want to keep their Premier League status going into next season Newcastle drew 1-0 with Villa on Wednesday as well. Dwight Gale scoring moments after coming off the bench. And Ahmed El Mahamedi, so the points were shared. Um, not the greatest result for Villa, but at least they're picking up points. And they're still in and around. Well, they're in the relegation zone. But they can, like a win can change a lot of things. Because you've got Watford in 16th with 28 points. Then West Ham, Bournemouth and Villa are 17th, 18th and 19th respectively, all on 27 points. So it's very, very, very tight. And Norwich, obviously, at the foot of the table with 21 points. I think they're gone, man. I think, yeah, they're, they're just going to get relegated. I'm just, yeah, it's peak. So, yeah, um, and then one of the premier games on Wednesday was, the, was at Old Trafford. Um, Manchester United hosting Sheffield United. Obviously, these two teams both have Champions League aspirations. Um, they were trying to power the pressure on Chelsea. United did end up winning 3-0. Marshall Hatchick, the first Manchester United hat-trick since Robin Van Persie in 2013. First hat-trick in the Premier League. It's been seven years. <laughs> seven years since I've seen someone score a hat-trick on my team. Wow. Crazy, bro. Like, I remember there was a time Rooney scored back-to-back hat-tricks and he scored a brace in another game. This was under Fergie, under Fergie times anyway. Like, hat-tricks just used to be, ah, someone's got a hat-trick? Cool. Now I see a hat-trick, I'm thinking, raw. like, I've never seen this before. <laughs> like, it's crazy. But, yeah, it was an excellent, excellent performance from United. I mean, from when I saw the starting lineup, I knew that we could, we like, I knew this this starting eleven was it, trust me, because we had De Gea and Cole, back four was Wan-Bissaka, Maguire, Lindelof, who are, the, the jury's still out on Lindelof because I prefer Bailly. But Bailly, he has he's very injury prone anyway. But yeah, Luke Shaw at left back, obviously could. We really need to try to get one in the summer. Midfield of Matic, Pogba and Bruno making their first starts together. Matic has really had a little renaissance recently. He's been playing like really, really well in that holding position. Um, so yeah, big up him for that because I thought he was dusted. I can't lie. <laughs> and then front three, um, the three star boys, he had Greenwood, Rashford and Martial. So yeah, um, Rashford did miss two sitters early in the game though. But you know what? I ain't judging him for it because obviously he had a he had a long layoff 
injury-wise, and he has played a lot of minutes. So I think he need he needs some rest still. When they're gonna rest him, I don't know. Maybe for the FA Cup game, but he just needs some time to um. He just needs some rest. I know he just had three months off, but obviously in terms of match sharpness, I don't think he's there to his fullest. But with that being said, he still had two assists that game. Obviously, both to Martial. Finishing just needs that extra touch of finesse and it'll be on his way. Like I am not worried about Marcus Rashford at all. But yeah, start to show Martial three great goals. The last goal, a little dink over the keeper. 14 Premier League goals. Rashford also has 14 Premier League goals. And that is excellent because I predicted 40 goals between the two. And if they both get 20, then boy, I'll be over the moon, man. But yeah, it is needed because they both needed to add goals to their game. That was the biggest critique of them that they didn't score enough goals, especially when we got rid of Lukaku and loaned out Sanchez. So yeah, I, they've stepped up to the plate. And yeah, I'm happy with that. Another thing that was exciting was the link-up between Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba. Um, Bruno did say after the game that he enjoyed playing with him, and I can't lie, I enjoyed watching them play as well. Pogba had some great passes. I mean, that pass to Rashford from, from like, deep into our own half was a great ball. I thought Rashford would convert it, but as I said, lack of match sharpness, that's what we're attributing that to. Pogba did create the most chances, even though he was playing deep, so feel like i thought matic would play the anchorman role and then bruno and pogs can just you know just do their thing in the final third but i think Oli set up for pogba to play a little bit deeper and he still played very very effectively so i can't really fault him for that he created the most chances that game with four so yeah it was a good result for us um i still feel like we can make the champions league players because Chelsea still have to play Wolves, they have to play Sheffield United, they have to play a couple other games where potentially they could hiccup, well I'm hoping they hiccup anyway, so we can go into the top four. So it's not looking all doom and gloom for us, as I thought it would be earlier in the season before it was suspended. Um, moving on, another game on Wednesday, Norwich lost at home to Everton by one goal to nil, Michael Keane scoring the goal. As I said earlier, Norwich, I feel like it's looking inevitable. They're going to need some sort of mini miracle if they want to stay in the Premier League. Yeah, they are in the FA Cup semi-final though. Quarter-final. They're in the FA Cup quarter-final. So, never know. They could end the season despite getting relegated with a trophy. Coming like Wigan when they beat Man City in... What year was that? Was it 11 Don't quote me on that. I need to fact-check that. But yeah, that was good times. The game that set up Liverpool for their title win was when they played Palace at Anfield. They won 4-0. Um, Trent scoring an excellent free kick. You see that guy, Trent Alexander-Arnold, yeah. Anytime Wan-Bissaka would do something. So, in the game against Sheffield United, he got an assist in it. Then, obviously, there's this running joke on Twitter where everyone would be like, Trent, come outside. And this guy always... If Wan-Bissaka scores or assists in a United game, I promise you, Trent is going to do the same and more in the next Liverpool game. This guy just whipped in a free kick. He said, eh? he said have that. So, yeah, it was a great free kick. Salah getting on the score sheet as well. Fabinho with a strike and Mane to round up the route against Palace. But, yeah, Trent Alexander-Arnold, yeah, that guy, bruv, he's a robot, fam. He's, he's not normal, man. He's quality, man. What a guy. That was what set up Liverpool for their title win. And then on Thursday, Arsenal beat Southampton 2-0. 
Um, their first win of the restart. Eddie Nketiah and Joe Willock both scoring. That's good for them because those are two academy graduates with bright futures. Southampton, they've only won four home Premier League games this season. That is That ranks them last out of all teams in the league. So I guess they enjoy their away trips more because <laughs> they are comfortably mid-table. <laughs> Did also get a red card when Stevens was sent off for fouling the last man. Nathan Redman had a great chance, but he hit the side netting. But other than that, no real, real threat to Arsenal, who finally pick up a win, as I said earlier. But in terms of securing a Europa League place or even a European football place in general, those chances are looking very, very dampened as they are 11 points off Chelsea, who are in fourth, and they are six points off United, who are in fifth. So they also need a mini miracle if they're looking to play European football next season. And the final game of this week was Burnley against Watford. Burnley running out 1-0 winners. Jay Rodriguez with the goal. Yeah, Watford, another team, as I said earlier, in trouble. They need to watch their back. So yeah, I guess that is it for the Premier League segment before we move on to the NBA segment. Let's just look ahead to the fixtures that are coming in this week. So at this time of recording... Aston Villa playing Wolves. And then on Sunday, Watford against Southampton. Monday, Palace host Burnley at Selhurst Park. On Tuesday, Brighton host Manchester United. Boy, Brighton have had a tough three games, you know. They played Arsenal. They played Leicester. Now they play United. Boy, I did not peep that their schedule was looking like that after the restart. But yeah, they got four points from the opening two. So I guess they'll be pleased with themselves because... For them to pick up points against those type of opposition, big up them for that. But yeah, that is a tough game. Obviously, United would want to win that game to pile on the pressure. On Wednesday, there's four more games. Arsenal host Norwich, Bournemouth host Newcastle, Everton against Leicester and West Ham against Chelsea. Another London derby for the Amers after losing to Tottenham. Um, Yeah, Thursday, Sheffield United host Spurs and Man City Liverpool, where... <laughs> Pep Guardiola's players will probably have to give a guard of honour for Liverpool. You've got Sterling giving a guard of honour to his former teammates. That's going to be a bit sticky. I'll never forget that Robin Van Persie guard of honour he received at the Emirates. Oh, man. <laughs> man went United and won the league the first season. One day I'm going to do a pod solely on Arsenal and I'm just going to break down everything I think about them, man. It's not even out of spite. It's just, at this point, I'm just starting to feel sorry for them because, as I was saying, yeah, I was watching the um, title reaction for Liverpool and I was looking at Kenny Dalglish and I was saying to myself, I think Arsenal fans will, my generation Arsenal fans, yeah, they're probably going to be that age the next time they win the Premier League title because the state of the club right now, yeah, is in just in disarray. But that's not talk for right now, in it? Like, I'm not here to spread those vibes. So, yeah, and um, next Saturday, there is a five-game slate. Norwich against Brighton, Leicester against Crystal Palace, United host Bournemouth, Wolves against Arsenal. That's going to be a good game. And then Chelsea Watford. So yeah, that is it for the Premier League segment. Don't forget to follow us on the gram and on Twitter at Clutch underscore pod. I'm moving on to the NBA segment now. Moving on to the NBA segment now. We've got a lot to talk about in the build-up to the restart, which would be on July the 30th. Um, so we've got a couple players who have opted out of the bubble. We've got um, the actual schedule of, of the restart, which was announced yesterday on ESPN. 
and we've got like a bit more information on like the structure of the playing tournaments and the seeding games which we're going to call them the eight seeding games and um how they're going to be played so to start off davis bertans of the washington wizards has opted out of the bubble He's due to become a free agent at the end of this season and has suffered two ACL injuries in the past. So essentially, he's just protecting himself in order to secure the bag come free agency. And I respect that still. Like players, I don't know why players are criticised for um, acting out of self-interest because at the end of the day, the NBA is a business. Like when it comes to trading players, yeah, play, guys will get traded and they don't even know. Like some guys get traded and they found out on socials. Like I feel like that is very disrespectful. So big up Davis Bertans for choosing himself. At the end of the day, the Wizards, they're not really, even if they make the playoffs, which I think would be <laughs> near impossible, but they ain't going to do anything. What, what is it? A first round exit? So, yeah. Um, and Davis Burton's he, he is a shooter. <laughs> that, that one, don't miss. <laughs> it's automatic. Um, he's one of my favorite, like, shooters in the league. Um, I predicted him to win the three-point contest. I think he came second behind, obviously, Buddy Hield. But he's a player that I like a lot. I really wanted him on Philly as well. But the Washington Wizards seem to like him as well. And I think they will re-sign him come the um, off-season. So, yeah, Davis Bertan opts out. Trevor Ariza has opted out too. Obviously, he's off the Portland Trailblazers right now. And uh, probably one of the most notable one of the most notable players to opt out of the Orlando bubble is Lakers guard Avery Bradley. He stated that his son has like respiratory issues, so he might not get the green light to enter the bubble when players' families are allowed. So I completely, completely understand why he's opting out, and I respect him for it. Obviously, that is a huge loss for the Lakers, though, because Avery Bradley is averaging around 11 points a game, but his main production comes on the defensive end. He's a great perimeter defender. He usually guards um, opposing teams' point guards as well. Um, experienced players, well, been around the league, played for the Celtics, uh, as well as a couple other teams. And um, in that game against the Clippers, the one game the Lakers won against the Clippers, he hit six threes. And um, my like Skip Bayless calls it the, the Avery Bradley game because <laughs> he never thought he would do something like that in his life. But like that's what he can do. Like when he's hot, like he's he's a decent three point shooter as well. So that really catapulted them to that one win the Lakers got against the Clippers in three games. So that's a big miss for them. There have been rumors that J.R. Smith is gonna replace him. Um, I don't hate that. Oh, obviously J.R. Smith. We all know he's a bit light headed, especially with that bonehead play against the Warriors in Game One of the 2018 Finals, where he forgot the score. The less said about that, the better anyway. So, yeah, but he's a good 3 and D player. He's a premier three-point shooter. He's played with LeBron. So, he knows that what his role will be and his expectations are. And, ultimately, I think he is a better three-point shooter than Avery Bradley. And he plays decent defense. So, it's as good as they can get to replace Avery Bradley. So, that's the situation for the Lakers. Um, Victor Oladipo also spoke to Walsh saying he's unsure of returning following his long rehab that he's had following his injury, his quad tendon, I think. That will be a huge blow for the Pacers if he decides to sit out. I doubt he will because the type of player VO is, the type of guy VO is, he loves to compete, he loves to ball. So I feel like he's just trying to make sure he's 100% so that the Pacers can really try and do try their thing in the playoffs. 
also related to this whole bubble and um, NBA restart situation. The league tested all 302 active NBA players and 16 of them tested positive for the coronavirus. Amongst them are three Sacramento Kings players, um, big man Alex Lynn, Buddy Hield, and also Jabari Parker. They have all stated that they are coming back though, so they will try to enter the bubble and so they're just trying to get um, into shape and into fitness and get healthy. Hopefully they all get healthy and probably the most decorated player of them all to contract the virus is Nuggets center and Nikola Jokic who contracted it whilst out in Serbia. And I don't know if you saw um, his loss, weight, weight loss, his weight loss. Um, he lost a lot of pounds. Obviously, that was the main thing people were criticizing Jokic on. But um, I don't know if it's his conditioning or if it is the virus. But yeah, he did slim down a lot. And it's going to be interesting to see how he turns out for the Nuggets come the um, restart. But yeah, he's another player who will try to get healthy and enter the bubble. And a um, couple other players. Heat forward Derek Jones Jr. also contracted it. And I believe the rest of them were um it hasn't been announced fully yet so yeah also big news in the nba world vince carter after 22 seasons in the nba has officially confirmed his retirement the eight-time all-star would be greatly missed around the league obviously he was playing in atlanta he was playing in atlanta in his last couple seasons he also played for the grizzlies he played for the kings the um nets the raptors and the Mavs. So, yeah, he had a decorated NBA career. One of the greatest dunkers of all time. No doubt about it. We'll all remember the 2000 dunk contest. It's over. It's over. <laughs> I'll never forget that, bruv. The memes that came out of that dunk contest was crazy. But, yeah, another very interesting thing that I saw online. Um, I, I had to fact check it as well because it was, I actually couldn't believe it. Did you know Vince Carter, he's played at least one NBA game against 37% of the players who, had, who have ever appeared in an NBA game. I'm going to repeat that again so you take it in. Vince Carter, yeah, has played an NBA game, at least one NBA game, against 37% of the players to ever, like in history, play an NBA game. <laughs> that is great. 37%, like, that man has been in the league for a damn near eternity bro <laughs> but, but yeah big up Vince Carter though man one of the good guys um I always I like to see him in a broadcasting role or in the media anyway because like listen to him is fun and still like to talk about his experience obviously he must have experienced a lot playing in the league till he's at like, 43 so hopefully he does get a job on one of them platforms I don't know ESPN Fox Sports I don't know I just want to see him in and around in it because He's a good guy, man. He's a he was a baller as well, and he's prime. Trust me. So yeah, um, now I'm just gonna briefly just discuss what's gonna happen with a possible playing tournament. So obviously, 22 teams are invited to the bubble in Orlando. The 16 teams are in the playoffs right now, plus the Wizards, the Suns, the Kings, the Trailblazers, um, the Pelicans, and as if I'm missing another team, then you can figure that out. So yeah, um, if the team with the eighth best um winning percentage is four games fewer ahead of the team with the ninth best record that's when the two teams will compete in a playing tournament um basically it's a 
double elimination game for the t the current eighth seed and a single elimination for the current ninth seed. So it's it's maximum a two game series in it. So if the team in the eighth wins one game, it's over. So the ninth seed team will have to win both games, two games, in order to uh, make it to the playoffs. I feel like um I like it. I like it. It will be. I I just wonder if it will happen if a team will be less than four games back of the eighth seed. But it'll be interesting to see if it does happen, that double elimination type tournament. So, yeah, they also announced the schedule for the return of the NBA season. So, the first game on July the 30th, the Jazz against the Pels. Um, obviously, the Pelicans <laughs> have the easiest um, remaining schedule out of all the teams that are in the bubble. A lot of people have furiously theory that that is to make sure Zion makes the playoffs, <laughs> given the amount of money it could give the NBA. And obviously, the NBA are in need of money right now, considering how the lockdown has affected it. So, <laughs> surprisingly, my Sixers have the second easiest schedule. So, But knowing us, the way we've been this season, <laughs> we will turn that into the second hardest. Trust me. So, yeah, but most of the teams that the Sixers play have losing records. We're coming up against like, the Spurs, the Wizards, the Magic, etc., etc. But, yeah, so the second game of the restart is a big one. Clippers against Lakers. Like, they just threw it straight into the deep end, you know. <laughs> they didn't even give <laughs> Kawhi or LeBron, like, a humble, <laughs> I don't know, like, like a, the Magic to play or, like, the Spurs. Like, they said, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> you two going to play against each other. So that is going to be a cracking start to the return of the NBA. Then the next day, July the 31st, on selected games, Celtics against Bucks. That's a big Eastern Conference matchup. So that is a great start to the restart of the NBA season. The more we get information, the more I'll be able to relay that on. As for now, those are the main things that's been happening. So the, so the announcing of the schedule, then players opting out. Um, they did set a deadline of the 24th of June or the 25th of June. As the deadline for players opting out, they're very flexible with that as training camps and um, between the 7th and the 9th of July, that's when teams will be flying to Orlando to begin the preparation of returning, resuming the NBA season. That's when we'll find out more who is deciding to opt out. I don't think any superstars will really opt out. I don't, re don't want to think so. I doubt it. But um, I do think a couple other maybe like role players in that will decide to opt out. And Adam Silver has said with regards to um, the resumption of the NBA season, because there has been a huge spike in COVID-19 cases in Florida, obviously the state that Orlando is in, um, that if there is like a huge spike in cases within the NBA community, that they would have to consider shutting down the league for the second time. Hopefully that does not happen because I'm really, really missing basketball and League Pass have still charging me this whole time. So I don't really want to be charged when there's no basketball playing. But yeah, hopefully that does not happen. I think that's it for the NBA segment. As I said, there's not really much to talk about in this current climate because there is no basketball. So the closer we do get to the resumption of the NBA season, the more I'll be able to, the more I'll be able to discuss about what's going on and my predictions for the resumption of the season. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to wrap up the pod now. I'm your host, AB. As always, this is episode 32 of Clutch Pod. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Clutch underscore pod. If you're still listening at this point, much appreciation. And, yeah, I'm out.